Bosco. Your fate now rests in the hands of the drag gods. If you have the gold bar, you will be saved. Now let's see what you've got. given a second chance is wild. And to be given a second chance that wasn't even from RuPaul, it was just from the universe, is insane. Mary, it wasn't chocolate. It wasn't chocolate. It was a second chance from the universe, which is, I guess, what we're calling the producers now. <laughs> the universe. Uh, yeah, the yes. universe. Uh, is That sounds like a nickname for somebody with a headset and a bunch of chocolate bars. <laughs> And the clipboard <laughs> and a story production. <laughs> sure. Duncan. Duncan's uh, toy chest. Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, that man, will, he'll show you the world and the moon and the stars, but he's not the universe, you know? Yes. Pure imagination. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, this, this was, this was the twist this week. We did not get an it's chocolate or it is chocolate or it's chocolate. We didn't get chocolate. We haven't gotten chocolate for the past two episodes, and now it's three, and I don't think we're getting chocolate ever again. Just for those of us who are going to miss that sound, I do want to just, on that note, just a small tangent, one of our Marys, uh, Sister Mary LV, pointed out that that sound effect is not is not new to this season and that uh any eagle ears out there out there uh from the midwest yeah uh any eagle ear eagle i can't fuck the eagle ears any ears out there will hear on uh holland's drag race episode one when they're doing the the first mini challenge i think when room is jumping into some box of god knows Mm. what we get this horn so this horn's just been waiting for its moment it was previewing in holland Yes, like they do. Sometimes like something will premiere in the West End before it comes to Broadway. And so right, they right. chose the Netherlands this time. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you're right. This is, I mean, this is the last time we're going to have the horn, the saw music. The saw music. Yeah. That moment. Uh, the, yeah. the, the acting of RuPaul pretending she doesn't know what's going to happen. Oh. I will miss that. This week in particular... We got, she had this like kind of like frowny face and then these eyebrows Mm -hmm. when it might be. Oh, yeah. The might be. And it was like there was sort of this like, you know, act three of Mommy Dearest kind of like raging, like don't fuck with me, fellas, kind of moment that she was having with those eyes. And I was like, Rue, you're happy. Soften, Rue, you're happy. You're excited about this. And then uh, she turned on a dime. Oh my goodness! <laughs> You've got the gold bar. Oh, there's something that doesn't hit right about the gold bar. Does that make sense? Like I don't know. It didn't feel as satisfying when she said, "You've got the gold bar." 
I feel like it should be golden bar, golden ticket. It two syllables was not enough for this moment for me. I think I mean you make a good point when you think of like I've got a golden ticket being a song that there yeah. is a rhythm to golden ticket that like mm. y- you know I got a golden bar it doesn't really work you know you know like because uh, what's interesting also about the phrase gold bar is we've heard RuPaul say gold bar before when yeah. you know the queens go into the gold bar to dish about these other queens that they thought were bitches uh, mm-hmm. and it, it, so it's just interesting gold bar gold bar it's not. It doesn't work, uh, especially for, I think, a moment that needed to be, I, this moment kind of fell a little flat for me, or it was, I, it, it felt like there was so much celebration for something that I, I, it didn't fit the moment. I can't put my finger on it. Can you describe it? Yeah. My thought is that you know this this conceit that we got at the beginning of the season was like oh my god yeah. someone could get saved someone might not go home one week cut to weeks of no one going home and then they finally have to like you know jimmy the lock to get jasmine kennedy out of the race and Ugh. then finally okay let's let's get back to business here let's get into act 2 uh just kidding still a top 7 and so the specialness of someone being saved is not so special if we've watched people be saved multiple weeks in a row already you know yeah especially when i feel like and we'll get into this later i feel like this would have been the episode where nobody should have gone home uh this also this lip sync felt like it wasn't great uh, in the sense that it was kind of a mess towards the end and in my humble opinion bosco won this lip sync Mm. so when it all kind of came down and we we got the music and we got the gold bar i was like well of course we got the gold bar yeah it it didn't it just didn't feel like you know the moment it thought it was gonna be and and you know and we can maybe i can save my thoughts till later but i have strong feelings about this lip sync i think this was a an incorrect song choice and i don't lay that at the feet of either whitney faith or kelly uh, I just Thank don't you. think this is <laughs> no. This song is such a big part of my gay catalog. I was like, mm. "What are you guys doing?" And it's a fucking remix, um, Mary. But anyway. And you had you had Andre Day as a guest judge. Yeah, do what? a ballad, you fucking cowards. Yeah, rise what? up you would think- have been a great lip sync. Georges might not win that one. I Oops. Mean. <laughs> yeah. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, the the elephant in the room or the drag queen in the room or, I don't know, the flats in the room, I should say, is I think part of this golden ticket horn sound, right, uh, that it actually became its own horn sound, that it was just kind of a, huh, or, oh, was that the season is very long. And I, I just want to point out, last season was long, too. But at this point, and credit to Bitch Puddin', I was watching her on Twitch last night, she mentioned that six out of the 12 episodes so far, six, Mary, there hasn't been an elimination. The first two, which you can count as not having an elimination because they came back, Daytona Wind, Snatch Game, which, you know, I know is a two-parter, but it's still one episode, one week. Uh, the men's panel challenge where Jasmine and Georges both stayed. Mm-hmm. And then 
the Moulin Rouge this episode. Six out of 12. And the, 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 the capper is that June Jambalaya went home 60 days ago. <laughs> what is a June Jambalaya? <laughs> I don't remember her. <clears throat> I uh, it's some wet ass pussy, Mary. <laughs> yeah, well, I I wish you know I I I vaguely remember season thirteen. When did she go home that season? I <laughs> yeah, I know it. It really. I mean, you're right. This happened last season, and everybody complained about it. And there were all the memes about like you know, remember when Tamisha Mon went home? Because then there were a bunch of weeks, so I guess where no one went home. And it's you know, it, I don't. It's such a weird. It, it's this weird thing because it's like I. I just remember when we had to wait a year for like 10 episode seasons and now we don't have to wait a minute for 16 episode seasons and they overlap and I'm like, oh, it's long, but like, what else do I have going on? Oh, Mary, I, <laughs> Where I else have a am counter- I going? <laughs> Mary, I'm bringing this up because I have a counter argument. I have I have multiple perspectives on this, but it's just it's important to talk about the length of the season because I think it affected the gold bar twist. We got a lot of non-elimination episodes because this season, as opposed to last season, last season they uploaded or up or they put up front the non-elimination episodes. So it was like, oh my God, four episodes in and then we still don't have an elimination last season. This season, they kind of spread them out, right? So it, it it's the same length. They're both 15 episodes, 16 episode seasons, but this season it's spread out and there wasn't a cornbread moment, right? Or a gold bar last season. So... I, I, you know, I think that that also is something of a factor, um, and and it it just become it's become this thing where because they spread it out, it feels like nobody's gone home in a while. Last season there was an elimination every week except for one week, where Simone and oh Simone uh, and Candy, and, yes, and and put a pin in that because that was also the musical episode. Wow, these musical episodes. I mean. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's just. Yeah, I. I. I guess when it comes down to it, it's like when people. I, I, this is where I've landed. Is like I agree with you. I think the length of the season and the placement of the save and all of that kind of made it less of a gag than say like Ben de la Creme pulling out her own lipstick. You know, it was kind uh-huh. of meant to be that sort of like, oh my god. Um, or it was meant to be like RuPaul saving Candy in last week in last season's mm-hmm. musical. It's supposed to be like, oh my god, you got saved. Um. But in terms of like, so like, yes, I do feel like that, you know, that chocolate was a little more Hershey's than Cadbury, but I feel like this length of the season thing, I'm thinking about, you know, people who watch Survivor, for example, or Big Brother, or shows where I associate with like seasons that are just so much happens and they go on. And with Big Brother, you could be watching it 24 hour live stream online. And so... I think there's something if you're up for it that's kind of fun to just be like yeah. oh, I've been spending sure. months with this season, you know? I'm glad that you brought up uh Survivor. Big Brother, the point I'll make is that, you know, there's at least somebody goes home once a week, even though there's three two hour episodes per week or something yeah. like that. And with Survivor, the cast is gigantic. And there's three tribes or two tribes, depending on the season. Sometimes it turns into two. So uh, and, and those those casts are gigantic. And Survivor, for the most part, 
someone will go home every single episode. So there is that that promise by the end, right? That there is that tension that's there. So I think when you have a competition show like Drag Race, fans expect somebody to go home. It's like, well, no, it's a competition. They shouldn't have so many gags. Um, And, you know, you have survivors problem right now where they're at season 42 and people are complaining that there's too many twists there's like a twist fatigue uh you know to to keep things fresh you need to have twists or change up the format or whatever and whenever they do everyone has an opinion on how those shows should change like survivor and even drag race people have opinions on the twists it's like this gold bar twist or or the 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 all-stars twists and all of that vote uh, you know they they vote each other out all of that everybody will have an opinion on it um and so it's it's kind of like fans are going to be mad either way <laughs> is kind of what i found if the season's too long people complain if it's too short people get mad that their faves go home too soon you know i think the moral of the story is people complain too much i <clears throat> yeah i mean that's kind of my that's i don't i don't really care what people think i'm having a great time you know um oh good yeah yeah no, I, yeah I, there's there's so many other not so many other points there's uh, a couple other things i want to say um local queens are making a lot of money by hosting drag race shows uh it's you know or, or drag race viewing parties so there is something to be said about the drag economy kind of benefiting from a length of a season being long. It's that's, you know, 15 weeks where a queen has a gig every Friday night, right? Where there's a huge crowd where they're going to make that coin where they can network with these Rue girls that the bar gets. Right. So there's also something to be said about the bar making uh, some more money by getting people out to watch the show together. Um, I also think the queens on the show are benefiting from a longer season. Somebody like Deja Sky or Jasmine Kennedy or Georges or anybody that's lasted this long are going to have a higher booking fee or have more opportunities to go out and perform at these bars for viewing parties because it's a longer season and we're with them longer. So there's just some other factors to think about, you know, of, well, what's what's the point? Why is it so long? Is it just because VH1 wants all the money? Yeah, of course they want all the money, but the queens are getting all the money too. And I think with this season, I think the pairing of it being longer and also I think, I know I've been kind of, seeing this all season just the production of this season the story production the the editing of it the the writing the music the musical Mm. itself i think there's also like okay yeah the seasons are longer and they are doing they are refining i feel like this season is a step up from last season and seasons before so it's like even even with having these multiple weeks of people staying like on top of the benefits you're talking about of like hosting and viewing parties and all that it's like it's not, it hasn't been a slog. It's, it, and I think that is the real trick is that like, and maybe some people feel otherwise, but yeah, like right. the challenges have been great. Last week was so cool. Snatch game was a bomb and that was part of the goop of it all. So like down the line, every, every challenge has been at least interesting. I agree. It's been interesting every week. Yeah. Yeah. Which is different than I think season 13. Uh, in season 12, season 12, I think, again, we've talked about this before, but the assassination of season 12, so many things went wrong. But 
you know, if you're talking about 13, I, there were some boring episodes. I don't know. I, I think about how do you make it so that a queen goes home every week. And the only thing that I could come up with, because they need 15 episodes, is you need to add about four or five queens to the cast. And then there's a lot of problems that come with that. And I, I want a smaller cast. Uh, and if VH1 is insisting on having a quote-unquote season, remember, these are called seasons, not cycles. Seasons, like baseball season lasts like half a year. You know what I mean? Football season's like four months, right? Seasons. So 15 weeks isn't that long. The Big Bang Theory is like 26 episodes. <laughs> Like, you want to talk about suffering through a season, girls. Like, come on. Totally. Yeah. You know? I don't know how long NCIS you know, lasts a season, but that's probably not a walk in the park either. If you want to talk about interesting and exciting, uh, this rusical. Mm. You know, I did want to just, you know, uh, at the top, just highlight the fact that Jasmine has really... Uh, given a fuck you to her stepsisters, her guidance counselor, and the kid she was close with in kindergarten, Willow, by wishing that Angie and Deja and Georges make it to the top. And I love her appreciation of Principal Sky. Principal Sky helped her get that swim scholarship. But um, yeah, I, I, I feel like that's such like a, I love that little sort of like fuck you of the mirror message. It's very Raven telling Tyra that she'll never be a star, you know? It felt to me like it wasn't necessarily lifting up Angeria, Willow, and Georges, or Willow, Deja, and Georges. It was kind of putting down Daya and Bosco. You know what I mean? Like it. it yeah, she's she's putting her she's putting her stepsisters down. She's like, I'm moving out. You can have the bedroom. I don't want it. You, can, I left my TV for you. I have a swim scholarship. Yeah. I'm not. I don't have time to watch television. Uh, so Rue announces the musical challenge and I, you know, we were talking about this in the only Marys of, um, when we did project or next top model of like when a queen wins like the first challenge or queen, you know what I mean? A model when, when a girl wins the first challenge, it's like, okay, now pick two friends to get the reward with you. And I think, yes. and I love that. And I feel like there is a shadier version of that with like, here, you pick the roles yourself. No leader. You guys figure it out yourself. It's like, it's such mm. an easy recipe for drama. Oh, yeah. I, I, I was immediately, I immediately thought of the musical episode on All Stars this season, the International All Stars. And Bag of Chips had to audition for the part of Jujubee's part, mm -hmm. uh, Liza Minnelli, right. and didn't get it. Uh, last season, they had to also assign roles and that Rosé and Denali had to audition for the same part. You create bring a up lot a of little drama. Good point here, though. Maybe they should have had an audition between Bosco and Camden instead of a vote. Well, <laughs> who said they should vote on it? Bosco. Bosco forced the open vote. Bosco was controlling this conversation so much because she I think Bosco knows that Lady Camden and Lady Camden kind of talks about this later Lady Camden doesn't do this okay, Lady Camden does not like confrontation she does no. not like you know standing up for herself and I think Bosco smelled that and was like great well let's just vote oh and it's going to be an open vote right I think Bosco created this and who knows if it was producer prompt or what but Bosco uh, didn't, uh, there was no audition. There was no live singing needed. 
So yeah, I mean, I I felt like was was this where we were seeing Bosco at her most Seattle nice slash Seattle ice, mm. you know, like that whole like, oh Mary, you know, that it was just like oh well, I guess it won't be a problem for you because you won't be need, needing to learn those lines, you know, it was just very cold. Well, listen, I don't know if that was Seattle nice. This is Seattle nice when she said. Well, you know, Lady Camden, I feel like you can play both. Yes, that's what it is. And I can't I can only play one. And I was so that mm -hmm. is very Seattle manipulating like nice. I was so proud of Camden. She's like, well, you know, I I don't really think that's fair to say like just because you just because I can. She was kind of like, I can smell you right now, Bosco. Something (laughs) in the milk ain't clean. And yeah, uh, but I felt for Camden. I really identified with like that pressure that like. We saw Angie go through. We saw, you know, Deja go through in the 60s girl group challenge. Of course, this time she got the role that no one else wanted, but demanded it oh, anyway. I want nerve. Well, no one else does. But it is an interesting, these these picking the role moments really do show you a lot about the person underneath the drag. Um, I feel like Angie and Camden, of course, they're good friends. They both had the same thing happen to them with this challenge. Yeah. Yeah, they folded. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it makes me think of, uh, this is a tangent that maybe we could talk a little bit more about on Nuance, but I I, I see the world as uh, there's movers and then there's non-movers. And I'm talking about people on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. That is, yes. And I feel like, in you know what I mean? And I feel like in this this conversation, Lady Camden is a mover, and when she decided to not be one, I mean, it, it, it was awful. It was hard. It was difficult. And Lady Camden, you know what I mean? Like, yep. it, didn't, it didn't fit the fabric of Bosco's universe, you know? Yep. Camden was visibly uncomfortable with the, with the side of the sidewalk that she was standing on, and this game of chicken— you know, I mean, I we could definitely talk about the nuance in nuance because I am in like a constant state of purgatory rage between being a mover and a non-mover on the sidewalk. You know, mm-hmm. uh, oh, you know, Mary, you you say that loud. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I I also wanted to point out in this kind of mover versus non-mover world, Willow brought up a really good point because she was like, you know what, I think I ended up voting for. Bosco, because Bosco would take it harder if she didn't get yeah, the Yeah, yeah. And a non-mover, they are even more fragile than the movers. Uh, oh, oh my God. That's the that's the real kind of like the twist, is oh, the non-movers are actually the bigger snowflakes about these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do think uh, I need to admit here, I know that some Marys have weighed in with their feelings, but I have to just be a non-mover about this one. Um, I am officially a diapologist. I understand that people don't like Diabetti and the way that she's been, and there's been a bitterness and a meanness and whatnot, and I think I have to be a non-mover on this. I fucking love Diabetti. I love her energy in the room. I love the the sinister glee in which she says, I'll keep tally because we <laughs> need it. I'm not saying I love, I love when people are friendly. I love when Angie comforts Camden later and is a good friend to her. But in terms of like, if we're going to spend eight years with this season and I need someone who is not afraid to give us a little reality TV. And I, I just have to like, you know, when Daya says to Willow, you know, afterwards, it's all your fault. I mean, and laughs about it. I was like, I think that's what's going on here, but we're just seeing the more bitter parts. I don't. I just have to say it. Dia, Diabetti 
is still correct week after week. <laughs> Again, there's a reality star that I really like in Daya, and then there's a drag artist where I I I think she's great, and I think that many of them are better. Uh, they're Betty or yeah. This uh, is just about Daya you know, <laughs> in the workroom, by the way. I just want to make yeah, yes. she's not in my top four, but in terms of the reality TV side of things, well, and I think. The season needs a villain, Mary. Is that so wrong to say? Like the season, last season it was Candy, and now it's Daya. I just feel like the season needs somebody to be a little edgy, you know, a little kind of like, oops, oh, that was that was that was honest. I think seasons need that, and when they when we don't get that, then it's it's like, oh well, there's nobody, you know. Well, my question is like, and maybe this is rhetorical, maybe this is for nuance, but like, honestly, what makes Daya a villain in the same way that someone who's being shady from a you know a Fifi O'Hara from season four, people would say is a classic villain, you know? She is, um, yeah. You could say Raven from season two. There's just like, they, they have beefs with people, they are combative, they get into fights, they're shady, whatever it may be. Uh, throughout the seasons is genuinely is Daya really doing that or is she just not filtering herself um, I think she's being edited much like all those villains you listed were being edited they're showing us Daya saying that stuff Mary and that and stuff that's isn't even, that stuff isn't even that bad What's bad? Like, okay. Oh, no. I, I took a clip of her talking to uh, Bosco later, and I feel like this really sums it up for me. You gotta do it. You gotta get through something. That's what I've been saying the whole fucking time. You know and said. people were thinking Sounds I was being a bitch baby. about it. But that's why I did it from the beginning. So do what you gotta fucking do. I think people want them to feel bad about it. Like, Bosco has remorse and then gets over it. She expresses remorse. Whereas Daya is not expressing any remorse. And because Daya is in a competition, right? And people forget that the, when the queens are there, that they're in a competition. Yeah. I just, ah, I really, I, I'm really enjoying her energy. And, and I think it's also because I didn't see this coming, right? I thought that Diabetti was just going to kind of like, eh, well, you know, she went home once. She'll go home again soon. And I am seeing her role in this competition. Is it more on the reality side of things than the competition side of things? Sure. But both are important. So... I think we'll put a pin in the rest of this conversation, including Angeria's quote, it doesn't always feel good to be the bigger person, uh, into nuance and move on. And Mary, can we talk about Miss Baby Wipes, please? Yes, yes. The sweet and petite Miss Baby Wipes, uh, who, as Georges describes so perfectly, she just says what's on her mind and don't give a fuck. And I just, I love that Georges is calling Leslie Jordan she. I think that's very important. I, you know, I think sometimes you've got to remember, like, there's also those pronouns. You know what I mean? <laughs> I also love the idea that Georges was talking about Diabetti. And they edited oh, to make yeah. it Oh, yeah, totally, totally, totally. That's the Franken editing, <laughs> is that there's actually all these people celebrating Diabetti in the confessionals, but they've been applied to other queens. She's so original. She's so interesting. They, they've said about Daya, but really, they'll say, I'll put it on Willow. Um, when Ross <laughs> yeah, says, exactly. you always find a way to make it specifically to you. He was really saying it to Daya. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, so we, I mean, the sweet and petite Miss Baby Wipes and also 
friend of the show, you know, the, the really in, inheriting the earth from from poor Lucian, uh, Leland is here giving such big mom or aunt energy. I can't decide. Oh, I was uh, I totally lost Leland during this rehearsal, so I don't I can't talk about him. Uh, it was all about Leslie and Georges for me and the choreographer. Oh, Miguel. Yeah. Shake the dice and lick it up. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I feel like this was much like every rehearsal scene where it's just like, OK, all right, we'll see this later. OK, they don't have the, the choreography yet. OK, they'll figure it out later. Um but I mean, obviously, and I think I posted this on on Instagram. But I think you know this is practically clip of the week is Georgia showing off her interpretation of talent and punching the ghost. And I just I love my favorite moment about that is that she starts dancing for Miguel, and then it's Deja calling out, "Punch the ghost! Punch the ghost!" And like right on cue, she's punching the ghost, and mm-hmm. they all lose their shit about it. And I I love as much as we're getting, you know. Dia being so awful. I like that. Like these queens can also just queen out on each other. It, they're having a good time. I think Leslie Jordan kind of added to that atmosphere. I will say, I missed the whole pandemic moment that she had. I, oh. I, I know people were like mm-hmm. posting about Leslie and all that. I kind of missed it. I was, you know, in my feelings and very depressed living in Portland, and I just kind of like missed it all. Um, but. Uh, you know, I know who Leslie Jordan is, and I I recognize how how funny Leslie Jordan is, and I was just happy that there was this kind of jovial atmosphere during this rehearsal. Um, I I did notice that Georges can dance the house down boots, and during this rehearsal, I, I thought about one of our one or more of our Marys were chiming in on I don't get it with Georges. And one of our Marys, I think, brought this up, and I'll talk about this later, but Georges could move, and Georges doesn't do much in her face. I mean, it's it's the truth, Gur, as has been once said. I, I think it's, it is really, you know, when we get to the critiques later, I think it says a lot that the judges are saying, like, we love you, you're amazing, we can't take our eyes off of you, you're a superstar, but the moment you're with a crowd of people, you disappear. That's yeah. That is like completely contradictory. You know what I mean? And so, because I think the idea, because at the same time, not to get ahead of ourselves, but like the same time, it's like you praise these queens for making a meal out of scraps with a small roll, and then you're kind of like, I don't know. But then Georges is, is kind of doing the exact opposite. You know what I mean? It's totally fading into the background. That at some point you have to stop saying that she's a fucking superstar if like she's failing at each of the challenges, you know what I mean? And and that the basic challenge is that she's not standing out. I don't care if she's a great dancer, or a great lip syncer, or she's amazing at three like a dog, or whatever the hell that name's bar is. But like, I, it it does feel weird in the edit of the show to keep being reminded of how magnetic she is, and then being told immediately that she blends into the background, you know. I feel like it's a season six Trinity K. Bonet edit or God, it was somebody else from another season who lip synced really well. They just come alive during the lip sync only. Cameron Michaels because, was like that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yes. And with Georges, I think because she has been doing that gig for so long. You know, dancing with a towel dress on and becoming 
the singer, I, she's just so good at that. She, it's it's second nature for her to just like move and and be a little faggot running around the stage. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I that is in our nature. And Georgia's can dance and move really well, and it's it's effortless. I think that's what Willow I think uh, called it last week. Like it's just effortless watching Georgia's. And I think that's the star quality that they're talking about that comes out only when she's lip syncing, except this week. And mm. I think that's what's uh, that's what's interesting about Georgia's is that she can captivate a room when when she's quote unquote lip syncing, but really she's just moving to a song expressively and you know moving her mouth to the words. Because when you compare her t- her face journeys during a song to someone like Bosco. Not much is going on, and I think even in this rusical, you saw it. Like she had some faces. She had one at the and beginning. And then not much else. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, it, it's. Uh, I'm not saying she's getting pushed through the competition, but at a certain point, it's like, come on, like we're really lowering the bar here. You know, for all the things she can't do, just because she's so good at this one thing, you know. Was that a short joke, Mary? It probably was. But you know what, girl? It's Short King Spring, so get into it, you know? <laughs> That's what the New York Post said. It's Short King Spring. Oh, God. Nobody believes that in the gay community. Trust Have me. Have you been asking? <laughs> Have you checked? You know, Short Kings, send a woof. You know, let them know. I wish we could, I wish we could filter by height uh, so I could find all the guys under, like, what are we, what's even considered a Short King? Under five... I, I, to me, that's like you're like you know five three and under. You know what I mean? Like where it's like, ah, oh, look at you, you're a short king. Other than that, you're just a guy. I think short king is like under five ten. That's nonsense. That's bananas. You cannot raise the bar so high to something so silly. That is that's some nonsense, Mary. Mary, I, I am five, five nine and a half. Guys. I am five nine and five, a half. Well, you're tall. So, okay, let's say 5'8 and under because guys that are 5'8 are considered short. You know what I mean? Like, I, I always think about that conversation between Monet and Bob on Sibling Rivalry uh, where Bob was – he was saying how Bob likes shorter guys and Monet is, like, disgusted by them. Uh, I, I always go back to that conversation. And so when I heard it was uh, Short King Spring, I was like, oh, Monet is not having – this spring she's she's going on vacation <laughs> i find often monet tends to represent the point of view i don't agree with on podcasts so that seems to be in line um she's often the counterpoint so this is consistent um but you know good for her speaking of counterpoint yeah. uh camden was on point uh in this rehearsal and you know i think turned her kind of attitude around i think we'll talk more about camden uh, and kind of her ideas about, you know, not wanting to be stubborn and how it's not worth it to her. I think we can move that to nuance. What do you think? Yeah, I do want to just say that I, it's interesting how much her, and we'll see how this continues, but for a, the irony that a queen named Lady Camden has done androgynous dude drag three times now this season. You know, she was Freddie Mercury, oh. she was Shakespeare, and now mm. she's Mama Z. Just on the topic of Lady Camden, and we'll talk about her more in nuance, but I do want to just say here on the main episode, oh, how she's risen in the ranks for me. Oh, how I've fallen in love with Lady Camden. Mary, fingers of drag race is Lady Camden twirling her hair. Yes, yes. 
I just, and that green sweater with the black stripes that she wears often. Mm. I just, I think that she has been similar to the way that like Jinx Monsoon in her season kind of like was good, but kind of laid under the radar sometimes. And then suddenly was the fucking star. I'm having that experience with Camden and uh, so proud to see it. I'm, I'm happy you're having that experience with Camden. I, I like Lady Camden. To me, I'm still like, Anjuria and Willow are just everything to me. Well, they're uh, already in the top in terms four. Of, yeah, yeah, they're already in, up there. In terms of winning this, yeah, this competition. Uh, well, Mary, they made a video in Paris. They made it. Let's just say. That. Oh, they made a video in Paris, and I do. You know, there was a there was a tweet going around. I think some of our Marys sent us that like it was a picture of Deja Sky in the confessionals, and they were like, I don't know why I know this, but this is what the director of Rugrats in Paris looks like. <laughs> And so in this episode, there's a moment where it cut, it's coming back after commercial break and they're playing some of this like quote unquote French music. There's like accordion music in the background and it cuts to like Deja and the inner talking head saying, America, get ready. This is going to be epic. And I was like, that is the director of Rugrats in Paris right now. Also, I just want to highlight uh, just a, a, a quick sound clip that I took and I'd hate to lose uh, the opportunity to play. But before we get to this workroom, Leslie Jordan announces. The only queen that I'm very, very concerned about is RuPaul. <laughs> because, honey, she's got to make a decision amongst all these queens. And I don't know how that's going to happen those little hands she does these little like her elbows are pressed to his his her elbows are pressed to her body and she's like i just i don't know i don't know what revolve's gonna do so <laughs> i love leslie jordan. yeah so good has pink news called for leslie jordan oh, to be a guest they judge actually or... asked me for a quote they actually like hey what are you know what did, what do you say as a podcaster and i said yes i support this decision um i've started a change.org petition it's under review. So we shall see. Gay News, I think, is Gay Times is trying to get ahead of Pink News because they keep getting overshadowed. But that's the New York Daily News <laughs> in the Post for you, you know? Mary, I have many thoughts on this rusical and how it was a perfect storm. And it was, in fact, the best musical episode of Drag Race. I agree. I agree. Even if someone like Georges is not into musicals, which I know we'll talk about in nuance, but I just need to name that it, there is representation in the room that RuPaul probably even identifies with that like musicals can be cheesy and they can be a little too mm. like hokey dokey, hunk yanka ganka, you know, like what are we doing here? Singing over here yeah. and don't go over there and pick up the table. Right. And it's all kind of like, oh, what are we doing here? And I say all that to say that like as someone who feels that way very strongly this musical gave me almost zero cringies oh my god this was a perfect storm and i call it a perfect storm because there are factors about this particular topic or a parody of a musical that helped itself so will you indulge me mary i have four points about why this musical is the perfect storm. Can I give you three tiny bits and bobbles that are just right before the musical starts? And if I say them later, they'll be out of context. You know what I mean? They're like- Go for it, Mayor. So one, RuPaul comes down the runway and Michelle goes, come on, waste. And I just love that they're starting to do this thing where the judges will be like, come on, 
Teflon. Come on, sheer. And it just is very ADR'd. Um, I like that Andrea Day didn't take her parka off. And mm. this is RuPaul's album cover look for her most recent album, whichever, whatever it's called. It is. And yes. this is a very... Mamaru. Mamaru. This is a very, very deep, obscure cut. But RuPaul on the runway and the way that she's kind of standing, the sort of robotic pose, there is this kind of cult horror comedy movie from 1972 called Private Parts, not to be confused with the Howard... Uh, what's his name movie Howard Stern movie Stern uh, but on the cover art there is a picture of a woman in like a house dress and then like a picture of her as kind of a sex doll and RuPaul is literally the sex doll on the cover of private parts oh put it on Instagram so I'll put it on Instagram Mary. I want to see this back to back yeah, yeah, yeah. this is great so I but it's like so for the two people out there who know what I'm talking about this what you know this buds for you uh, but anyway go on with your four points Mary First, I have to acknowledge like one of the best things that production did this season is change it from live singing to lip syncing. This is a total win for this musical episode. If you were, if you go back, right, uh, and maybe we could talk more about this on nuance of all of the the back kind of uh, musicals that have happened. Um, the first one was in season six, and that was live singing, right? Then in season seven and eight, Mary, it was two awesome episodes. You had Glamazonian Airways and Bitch Perfect. And both of those were lip-synced episodes. You could call those sort of musicals because there were no other musicals that season. The next season was season nine, and that was also lip-synced. They didn't start doing the live singing until season 10 with Share the Rusical. Um, and I, there was another Rusical that season, uh, the Farmer Rusical. Do you remember that one? Yeah, I just, uh, so you're saying live singing as in not pre-recorded, because wasn't it like the Rusical from season six? Uh, season six, they sung live. And then they switched and then to they, the then they Then they took it away, and then they brought it back. Got it. And I'm happy that they took it away again this season. Because it lets us focus on the characters, the movement, and the story, and not be distracted by the Queen's often mediocre singing. And I say often mediocre because last season, season 12, lots of singers on those seasons. But it just allows us to enjoy something else. Enjoy a lip sync, which we know we love drag queens to do. Um, Bitch Perfect and Glamming Zoning Airways, again, Mary, we love those episodes, right? I would love more of them. I mean, I think in some ways this Rusical was kind of a sister of those because it was all RuPaul songs, you know? Yes, yes. And that's that brings me to my next point, right? Um, the music was all remixes of RuPaul's songs, which happens to fit the style and parody of Moulin Rouge the musical, which is a mishmash and reimagining new arrangements of pop music that fit the story or feeling of the characters. So th this is a big ingredient into it being a perfect storm because it is like, you know, a mishmash of pre-existing songs. If they have if they had gone with pop music that wasn't RuPaul songs, like just regular pop music, I feel like it would have been all over the place. But by staying in one lane, I think it it allowed them to be more creative and have more of an impact. Would they, if they were using, like, 
I mean, I guess they'd have to really change it up to use pop songs. Otherwise, they'd have to get so many rights as well. And that's what I thought of as well. Yes. It's like, this is that's a very right. affordable way to do a Moulin Rouge style, like, jukebox musical. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, it was a money decision, but I think it was a happy accident. Again, a perfect storm because it actually it worked so well that it was so specific and all in one lane. And I think Leland and Gabe had Gabe was the other composer that they never credited publicly on the episode. But I think both of them actually were more successful because they didn't have this huge thing to choose from, right? They had, oh, just this catalog, great. And I think they were able to be more creative. Well, and I think also RuPaul's music is all almost like designed to be remixed. You know, it's the kind of music that like <laughs> you could very easily put into a mega mix or a remix and it wouldn't feel weird. Whereas like, you know, some other songs might be like, oh, what are we doing here? Um, why are we putting a remix of Unbreak My Heart for the lip sync? That seems strange. You know, things like that. Um, but I I feel like Ru, the, the Ru's music, what I liked about this is it, it all mixed really well in a way that I didn't keep remembering it was room music in a way that bothered me. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, Mary, we loved Bitch Perfect because the music was RuPaul's song sung by other people. <laughs> right. Well, and, and also in what, what Leland and Gabe did with this Rusical in particular is they basically did the Marge Simpson with the Chanel dress approach. Uh -huh. They recut it into these new looks that I love the culottes. I love, you know what I mean? Like I was all for yes. it. And so I think there's that too of like, yeah, I can tell it's also still, still the same Chanel fabric, but you've turned it into something pleasing in its own way, you know? And they were able to model it off of Moulin Rouge, the musical, or even Moulin Rouge, the song, which I think was so effective. They were able to, they had like a, a base to parody something off of. And, you know, like the tango scene, for instance, right? That was, I thought that scene worked really, really well. And it was Cover Girl, right? And so it was also kind of like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like you kind of laughed about it. I, I just thought that was so clever. Um, the, the other point that I want to make is that this musical, Let There Be Leads, and I think in past musicals like Farmer Rusical, Trump the Rusical, uh, Social Media the Rusical, even Rats the Musical, the, uh, the Madonna Rusical, those, it was like little kind of vignettes, one after another, and everybody had like a long moment. Whereas in this one, Camden and Bosco worked clearly the hardest. And I guess you could say the only other example of this is that original Rusical because Courtney and Adore were clearly the leads because they were the strongest yes. singers. And so there was, yes. what was different about that is it was like, oh, they have to be. They are the only ones that can actually sing. And so I think here, I don't think it was necessarily that there were only a few singers in the group, but um, it did feel that way. That like, while everyone was on stage a lot, you know, it did come down to Bosco and and Camden in terms of like the weight of the show. Yeah. The two strongest performers. And I think that again, another perfect storm moment that helped this musical be so successful because it'll let people just have their strengths and it felt more like a musical, right? Where there are leads. Uh, obviously there was uh, Leslie Jordan and Leland. I don't think they've ever done that. Well, they did, they did that with Trump uh, Ginger Minge playing Trump, but otherwise they've never really had other people be in the musical, 
uh, and actually like lip sync before. And I thought that it, while I have my thoughts about Leland and I'll maybe save them for nuance, I thought it really worked to have other people be in it. When Leland came on, I was like, oh, oh, that's weird. He's in the show. And <clears throat> I mean, I, I, I don't have a ton of thoughts on him that would be into nuance. You don't have to share yours, but I, I thought he was fine. Uh, I thought he did way better than I expected, but um, I did wonder why not get a guest star. And then I thought, well, if yes. they did that, we'd have Cheyenne Jackson. Oh, and I wouldn't have minded. But uh, yeah, but Cheyenne Jackson could have sung this role as well, which is, I think Leland, it was just like an easy, like, oh, you're a performer. Oh, and you can sing it because it was him singing, uh, lip syncing to himself. Um, I wish it was a different celebrity lip syncing to Leland. I think that would have just been another moment. But, you know, maybe they're trying to prop up Leland a little bit more. Who knows? It was a COVID thing. Um, I didn't mind him, but I I kind of wanted somebody else. Uh, it, I, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, they had a pretty fabulous actress right there on the judges panel. I need to highlight that before the show starts, RuPaul goes, you know, Michelle, these are great seats. It must have cost you a fortune. And the way that she went up on fortune was just like another fucking RuPaul moment. Where I was like, that delivery, that natural delivery, it was so good. My last point, Mary, I'm sorry. Point number four, we knew the story. We knew the story, and they stuck to the story of Moulin Rouge. Whereas in other times when they parried like Hamilton or something like that, uh, they didn't like stick to the story. Since they stuck to Moulin Rouge and simplified it, I, it was a direct rue telling, if you will. I think it made, us, it made it easier to follow, and we got the reference. It made the parody more enjoyable. And those four points, that's why I think this was a perfect storm. Uh, you, uh, it definitely can compete with season six. Season six was, you know, them singing. And so in that sense, it was probably a little bit harder. But I like this so much more. I thought this was so successful. The final product was it was just it was amazing. It was really uh, on par with this season. I think just some some little notesies from the musical itself. I like that there is a line. I think I think it's one of Mama T's or Mama Z's or whatever. But uh, there is some line about how the Moulin Rouge is open to kings and queens and everything in between. And I thought, well, isn't that ironic? Um, and. Uh, I th it would be remiss to not highlight the magic of Principal Sky at the staff talent show walking those two guys out on dog leashes. Oh, oh God. Put it a category, a strut lip sync, Mary. A strut. I mean, Angeria kind of did one, too. A strut lip sync is always so satisfying. Yeah, oh, it so it's good. so good. It's so good. So Another moment, you know, I love that we very rarely get split screens on Drag Race. Canada's Drag Race gave us one once, but we got a split screen during the little to the moon part between Leland and Bosco. Uh, and I thought, best yeah, that was really great. Um, and then, and I want to go back to the two of them in a second, but I do just want to highlight that the tango between Lady Camden and Bosco, I would love to mix with the duet between Coco and Alyssa in the Black Swan Ballet. There was a very similar mm. like tension, you know, in, mm. in, in the roles and also yes. the, the performers that I really enjoyed. Uh, but love that. A drag race parallel. Yeah. Uh, a moment, though, that I think is uh, very important. <laughs> do it. Do it. So <laughs> during this kind of duet between uh, Bosco and, and Leland, 
there's uh there's this little moment where you know they're i'm in love i'm in love we all know this song we all remember this from you know i'm in love with hannibal lecter uh hannibal lecter yeah so we got luckily we didn't get that this time but uh we did get this moment let's just listen to it first No, you. Sorry. That's okay. And I think we just need to highlight a really specific moment of that, which I'll play here. That's okay. Maybe just one more. That's okay. And I just think that is the big gentle top energy we all need to be manifesting in yes. our lives. Is is yes. is the man who says That's okay. And I think it's uh, important Short King Spring. Short right King here. Spring. Uh, that's okay. And I think you need to, you know, there's either movers or non-movers. And I think we need to either look for the, the, the that's okay, to, you know, gentle tops, or we need to be the that's okay, gentle tops. But, like, uh -huh. let's manifest more of Leland going. That's okay. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. I wrote that. I, it was, I I felt something when he said that. I was like, oh. Uh-huh. Oh, he, it is okay. He was understanding. <laughs> that's okay. We don't have to have sex tonight. We can just cuddle. Also, oh, you said somebody's name during sex. So, oh, that, that's okay. That's okay. No, it's fine. I, uh, I'm, I'm kind of beta here. Yeah, it's fine. You know, I kind of like the idea. It's like there's a third of the room. Yeah, uh -huh. I, I yeah. just, I love that, and that made me then appreciate Leland's presence so much more. And I don't know if Cheyenne would have given mm. us that. Probably not. No, uh, I. I think shortly after there was the, I think I talked about the cover girl tango. It was mostly Leslie and Leland lip syncing. Obviously Bosco was moving and the yeah. other girls were kind of in the background, but that was mostly them that had to learn that. A again, adding to the success of this musical, the Queens were set up for success in that they didn't have to learn, you know, 10 minutes worth of a routine. There was a little bit of a reprieve. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, in terms of other highlights, I like that Bing Bang Bong got a crossover moment. And yes, I wrote that in. Yes. There's a little micro moment here, another, you know, slightly less obscure reference. But in that Bing Bang Bong, Angie kind of gets the like, uh, the, the, the bong. She gets the kind of like the, the, the punchline, I think, at the end of that, the like, you know, baritone punchline. Uh -huh. And there's a very similar comedic beat in an episode of The Golden Girls where the ladies are babysitting this this baby, and there are the three of them. It's um, Dorothy, Bla uh, Blanche, and Rose are trying to quiet the baby to go to sleep, and the baby's like in a baby carriage, and they're all standing over it in the living room, and they're like ridiculous nightgowns. And so they all start singing Mr. Sandman to the baby to help calm her down. And it's this great moment of these three women singing, but uh, – the best part of the mo of that moment and like what always gets some canned laughter from the audience is during one of the verses where they do like the Mr. Sandman and then Dorothy goes, yes. And like she gets that yes that you kind of don't expect. And that's what this reminded me of. Oh, yes. What, what was her line? Was it? It was like bong. Uh, I think they did bing, bang, bong. She did. I can't even remember what it was, but I just know that it was like a it was. Either it was bong or it was sing sang song or bing bang bong. Yeah, it was, Maybe some, it was that. It was one of yeah. those. You know what I, I, I don't even like want to. I can't even break down each performance in this musical, um, except for noticing that George's face wasn't as in it as the other girls. This is something that like could tour like the Frock Destroyers. Absolutely, like they could just take this and and lip sync to this, or other drag acts could you know, get together and put this on, you know, 
at the 11 o'clock slot. You know what I mean? Like, I just think it was so fun. And everybody knows the story. I, oh God, I, I loved it. And when it was ending during their, the finale number and they were all dancing kind of in tandem, I was like, I like I can't say enough good things about it. Well, there, I I wish that I had more nuanced thoughts that could like pick it apart more. But man, it was so good. I feel like you are Michelle at the end of this. You know, before the sh- the the finale is over, they cut to her clapping along, and I feel like yes. she is like there is a compilation of Michelle getting her life that needs to happen, and of course the 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 shining star of that compilation is Michelle during the music lip sync of season nine. Oh my God. I oh, I get like warm when I think about it. Uh, so, and a rebel. Oh, exactly. Yeah. That's what it is. That's the moment. Um, the only other two little nuances I, I was actually, I, I think diabetti did a good job. I, I wasn't, I was like, Oh wow. I guess she did better than I was expecting. But I will say that in the, absinthe scene when she you know is lip syncing to the answer to all your problems is in this little bottle of absinthe it was very scarlet envy as betsy devos in the trump rusical mm. and that kind of if you can if you can nail lip syncing that little kind of beat i think is is always impressive i i, I do want to say willow's part is the part that should be fought over right because it's the black china part it's the black china part it's yeah. the feature and I was surprised that there wasn't more kind of arguing over that. Um, obviously, you know, you have the the Tina Burner part or the Rosé part, which are the biggest parts uh, of Camden and Bosco. And those were the ones that were in the most contention. And then you had the four girls and they 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 were in the chorus. And I don't know. I can't believe that Daya was considered to be in the top. With such a small role. Granted, I know her runway was like big wow drag, but I was just very surprised that that they went in this direction. It must have been because they knew Bosco had this conflict with Camden and Bosco had the gold bar. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm just surprised that the... I'm surprised at the size of the roles not matching kind of what happened in deliberation. Yeah, yeah, it was. I, I, I did not see Daya. I thought I assumed Daya was going to be safe, and so when they were like, "Wow, you nailed all these little nuances," I was like, "Oh, I guess I wasn't paying attention." But that one moment with the absinthe, I will say, she did a good job. Okay, okay, I liked Deja a lot. Uh, she, she, for me, she was in the top, and then her runway. I guess the runway counted this it week. It counted this week. Yeah, I guess you know when you bring Oak Tag to the runway, suddenly we start Oak. Tag. Oak tag Mary uh, we bring we make it important again uh, yeah I mean I, I think that uh, you know for me it, it, Willow and and Camden were, were definitely the stars of this show yeah Camden was great I Mary am I am I missing something I didn't think Bosco did a terrible job I thought Bosco did great I think that Bosco did like I think that she was great as an understudy, but it didn't feel lived. Wow. Like it didn't feel okay. like she was being this, whatever this character was in the same way that you were seeing with Willow, for example, Willow was this fucking fairy. Like there was this, uh-huh. there was this certain, she figured out That's who true. that woman's voice was and who that woman was. And she, and she got into it without playing it up, you know? And I think that Bosco never really, found I think she had to be so much bigger I think it had to be so much more to the back row and it it just wasn't it was fine 
You know, like she hit all the beats, you know? The way that I found it or the way that I kind of justified it towards the end uh, when I was like, okay, well, she's in the bottom. It was too much Bosco living her life. And I didn't want to see Bosco having a great time doing the lead. Yeah. And and I think after last week and the three being in the bottom three times one episode, we'll talk about that. Uh, But kind of just seeing Bosco (laughs) do Bosco all episode, I felt like what's different about this? I just see you in panties again being sexy. You know, like where at this point I've seen you in the same runway multiple weeks and I've kind of seen you in the same energy multiple times, you know, so like I was definitely underwhelmed by Bosco. But like the first time I watched it, I was like, no, I think this is good. No, I think no, I think she's okay." And it was like, "Mm, no, I don't think it's good. You know, I thought it was good. And I they could have easily put. Daya in the bottom. They could have easily put Deja and Daya in the bottom. You know what I mean, Mary? Like, or Georges and Deja. You know, like, I just feel like they could have picked on those chorus girls more for not standing out. They need to keep their mitts off of my principal because she puts the pal in principal. Uh, let's. You want to talk about some of these looks? Sure. Uh, let's reflect on let's these reflect on runway these looks. looks. Let's reflect on Lady Lady Camden summering a little Antoine de Saint Exupéry with her little prince. Le look. petit prince. Yeah. Yes, le petit prince. Uh, uh, she looked the best by far. Yeah. Uh, after Angeria. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I absolutely. Angeria was she was doing the most Zayek. Yeah. Oh my God! Most good, most, most Zayek. Zayek. Yes. But I, I did appreciate that uh, Lady Camden's look eventually got us to a two two seven Ooh Mary reference from Michelle because RuPaul was like, "It's Jack Frost's sister, Jackie Frost," and then Ru- then Michelle goes to a Jack A place, and we got a little Ooh Mary. Just a, it was like a squeezed in Ooh, Ooh Mary. Mary, Ooh Mary, and I'll always, I'll always hear a Mary. So. Uh, yes, we get Bosco as Tin Man sex doll. Yeah, uh, we've seen this look before. Interesting. It was a, a Mugler. Uh, should I say the G or not? Is uh, Mugler? Is it Mugler? Well, like, I would. I say croissant, so I'd say Mugler. You know what I mean? Like. Okay. Yeah. 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 I I don't want to be corrected. Yeah. yeah um, I don't want to be but, correct. Uh, so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I want my nipples to pass. Well, yeah, I don't want to levitate. Um, but Bosco, yeah, we've seen this before. Uh, we have. It wasn't, it was, you know, it was fine. fine. Um, Willow didn't do the challenge. Willow, I mean, it was <laughs> Willow did her own kind of like easy rider version of the challenge. I, you know, a, a recent reference that I, she was giving me, there's this new horror movie that just came out called X uh, that I kind of recommend. Oh, I've heard about it this. It was okay. I liked okay. it. I didn't love it. But the lead in that, Mia Goth, Goth, I don't know what my dialect is these days. Mia Goth, um, she looks just like her in that movie. So if you who and it's a movie set in the seventies, and you know, uh, so it's very fitting. But that was what I was getting was Mia Goth and X, which means nothing. Okay, yeah, it doesn't mean anything to me, uh, but I'll look it to up to someone out uh, there. It means something. Yeah, sure. Uh, Diabetti comes out as vivacious in the year 2080. Got Mick, I heard. Yeah. We're not supposed to compare queens. Oh, Shut up, Johnny. No. Fuck you guys for comparing we us. Can, we <laughs> can compare queens, you know. That, 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 has been, that rule has been broken so many times. <laughs> They've dropped the mandates. We can compare queens now, all right? <laughs> uh, 
Daya. Yeah, it was. It, I appreciated that she just brought it to a drag place. It wasn't so fashiony, which I feel like the other queens, besides maybe Willow, kind of did. Although Willow did. Um, they, it was all very kind of on the fashioned trend, whereas Daya's like, oh, fuck it, I'm doing Kiss, and this is going to be drag. And I really appreciated that. Yeah, I mean, and it's, you know, Rue loves a Kiss reference, so that was smart. When was... Did, did you know that? I didn't know that. I had a sense of it. I don't know why. It was just one of those things where maybe it just kind of makes sense. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. You would like Kiss, okay. wouldn't you? Yeah. Sure, sure. Uh, before we talk about Deja, uh, Georgia's... She has that wet hair, latex boots, gloves, and the ribcage dress, she called it. Um, I, she, she looked so old. I agree. Yeah, it did age her. Yeah, she looked like Cheetah Rivera. Yeah, or um, the, the that that French woman from um, How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days with you know dark makeup, like the French woman just... in How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. There's a French woman, BB yeah, Newer. She's really, f- no, Mary. <laughs> There's a French woman, the model. No, no, Mary. Uh, she's a <laughs> Celia <laughs> Weston. Uh, no, oh, Liliane Montevecchi. That's right. I don't know her. Yeah, I would have assumed you meant Celia Weston. Yeah. <laughs> Celia Weston's in that movie? She plays his mother. Are you kidding me right now? Well, are you kidding me? Liliane Montevecchi, does, you don't What the remember? hell is a Liliane Montevecchi? What is that, a, a okay, handbag? Great. Great. Uh, well, I, go back to uh, go back to our Only Mary's episode on How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, and you'll remember you learning about it. All her. I know is... I have this Iris Van Herpen-inspired galaxy dress. That's what I know. <laughs> That's okay. Um, hey, you have your lane, I have mine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking of honk, Deja, um, Mary, one of our Marys, I think, nailed it. And I love this. I love this look by thinking about it this way. This is Deja coming out in the dress that the kindergartner class made for her. And she's on, you know, the school assembly. Yep. She's wearing it very proudly with that look of like, I know, mm-hmm. isn't this really great? They did a really great job, right? And you know yeah. that everyone yeah. knows it's not. She's being nice for the kindergartners, you know, mm-hmm. but she's so good at it. She's so good at being nice about it, you know? Yeah. I'd be, I'd be curious to hear what happened with this look. If it was a supply issue or something, uh, you know, why this happened. Because it... it was just not at the level that I think anybody expected. Yeah, there's a, uh, I hate to be so chuggy, but there's a great quote from The Office where Kelly says, yeah, I have a lot of questions. First of all, how dare you? Uh, and so I just, I feel like there's a bit of that. Um, but, you know, all is forgiven because Deja did a share impression. And I love a little share. Mm, I love a l- yes. share a little, you know. Yeah, I'm getting a share sanctuary, but I I think that uh, that about everything. So. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm getting quote. getting share sanctuary. It's like, oh, Rue, I love your musical shorthand. <laughs> uh, so uh, we get um the who should go home tonight and why question, and Mary, George is saying I would have to say Bosco. She she really wanted this role, and as she was trying to like 
why she would, you know, like win this role. She was trying to put Lady Camden down and that left a bad taste in my mouth. And also, if you want to talk about track record, she was in the bottom three times in one episode. Horn sound. <laughs> right. I mean, like. Uh, I didn't know George's had this in her. She must have felt a certain type of way um, about Bosco. Um, or even Bosco kind of calling her out, and that's where this venom came from. Or the bitch knew she was and going home soon. This is her, like, seventh time in the bottom. Sure. So, like, what sure. does she have to lose, you know? Yeah, absolutely. This was great. This was, like, this is how reading should be done, because it's factual. It's true, <laughs> and, I, and it needed to be said, and it needed to be said. Um <laughs> But that being said as well, I was glad to see that Camden lost the fight but won the war. Mm. And, you know, uh, is, is... The British are coming. Yeah, they are. Oh. You know, the invasion has happened. And um, watch out, Sacramento. Uh, but I just want to also highlight, because I'm always keeping an eye on Principal Sky, but when she is in the bottom three but safe... There's these very specific ways she says I love you to Georges and Bosco that are just such big principal energy. I think to Bosco, she just points mm. and goes, love you. And it's just, oh, it's so, I don't know, those little moments, you know? So Georges and Bosco are about to do the Heartbreak Hotel remix. I love knowing that Bosco filmed her kind of deliberation, perhaps, uh, or her confessionals after this lip sync. And said, I don't necessarily want to lip sync against Georges. I'm pretty sure RuPaul has to put her or has put herself down as an organ donor for Georges. Like she's obsessed with Georges. Knowing that Bosco knew that she lost this lip sync when she shouldn't have uh, and said this, I think is up there with Georges's comment about being in the bottom three times in one episode. Yeah. Well, and I think that does bring us to. Uh, the lip sync song and some things that you talked about last week that I feel like might have been happening with the song. Yes. Okay, so I'm okay, good. Oh. Because <laughs> it's for anyone who doesn't know, and how can you not know? But it is an unnecessary remix of Heart, Heart remix of Heartbreak Hotel by Whitney Houston, Faith Evans, and Kelly Price. And this video is such an important part of my gay cataloging as a kid. Yes, like. I can't tell you how integral Kelly Price riffing on the beach in that coat is to me. The whoa, 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 whoa at the end. That is integral to my existence today. And I, so I came in with big feelings, but I felt like the, the problem or the interesting thing here, other than what I think you had seen last week and probably saw with this, was that Heartbreak Hotel is basically like a number in a musical. There's three distinct parts. Yes, unless you're listening to the Whitney Houston only version. Why would you do that? Well, because you love Whitney and maybe you don't really love Kelly Price. You know? uh, uh, I, can't, I can't hit a button fast enough. Everything. I hate it. I'm not it. saying it's me. I'm not saying it's this me. This is to all I'm those saying... people. To all those people. I'm just like, ah! I just can't even respond to that. Um. Yeah, this, is, this was a hard choice for a lip sync because, well, I think you needed to make the decision. Um, I loved Bosco's decisions until towards the end. I thought Bosco was nailing this. Uh, she had the emotion. She knew where the song was and what it was saying. She had the face. She didn't need to, like, dance. Um, and she took the lead part. When Georgie took the backup 
kind of vocals of the hook. And I thought that was, I was like, well, there you have it. Pasco's winning this. And then at the end, because of kind of what you brought up, like it's this kind of like three stories woven in one, three people are singing at the same time. I don't think Bosco, man, Georgie literally had no idea what to do, but I think Bosco got, uh, she just got, she got, I can't think of the word. She got uh, sucked into the background vocals Mm -hmm. instead of the kind of riffing over parts. And she didn't, she kept switching back and forth and it, it was a mess at the end. Even so much that Georges missed the final hit slash pose at the end. Yeah. And there were like, you know, with three, like you got to choose. You're going to be Whitney, you're going to be Faith, or you're going to be Kelly. And I felt like frequently they each chose the wrong woman to be at different points, even if it was the lead or the backing. Because like technically towards the end, Kelly Price is not the lead, but she's the riff. So like, why would you not do that? You know what I mean? You have to do that. Yes. Especially at the end. But Bosco was doing it at the beginning, and I liked that. Yeah. I thought Bosco, I, I, I was hoping that she was going to stay there the whole time. George just had no, she barely knew to move her mouth sometimes because she was so confused between which part to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was really disappointing. And then even more disappointing to see Ruby like, well, George, just you win. And I was like, Ugh. for doing sure <laughs> popping and locking and all these dance moves, but she like did that. But you, you, we've now like that has been like in the past. If someone did the same thing to win a lip sync five times, people would say, "Oh, here we go again with that move. Here mm-hmm. we go with that." You know, right into a split mm-hmm. again, and that's kind of what's happening here. And I think it's less about like whether or not. Is it fun to watch Georgia's dance and do all the popping and locking and all that shit? Of course, that was really fun. But like, I think in the same way that Bosco's been showing the same panties five times, Georgia's has been kind of going to the same technique. And it was kind of like at this point, I thought it would be like, well, this is good, but what else you got? And so I thought Bosco was going to have this in the bag because of that. Same. Yeah, I'm more of a mover now on Georges uh, because of some of the things that our Marys were saying. It's like, yeah, no, you have a point. Like, there's just not much going on in the face. And I know that I saw her live and it was, I mean, live is very different than on TV. Uh, This was, this lip sync in in particular, especially with the challenge, I think just highlighted Georges' weak spot, which is her face. Yeah. well, When she's lip syncing. And I wonder, I mean... You know, obviously not to jump ahead, but I was just thinking next week is a roast. It's basically a glorified public speaking challenge. I mean, Georgia's has mm. already told us that's not her thing. So I wonder if that's what it's going to finally take, because I just you can't lip sync six times and stay. You know, Georgia's had her chocolate bar kind of peeking out the back of her outfit. Uh, which I thought was an interesting detail we've never seen before. It's very symbolic because it's been weeks of the chocolate yeah. bar sticking out of her panties, you know? Technically. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, to me, it's kind of like a foreshadow. I think Georges is next. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be very surprised if it was Bosco. Um, I, I also think, like, how many episodes do they have left? Is it going to be a double elimination next week or the week after? I just think there has to be a double elimination coming, Mary. If you count... The, the rest of the season. It's just like the idea of, I was, I, you know, I was just going to say, can you imagine doing a double elimination this late in the season? And then I realized that 
as per usual, Drag Race Thailand blazed that trail a long time ago with season two. Correct. So yeah. it can happen. Uh, they could go from from six to four. Very, very in one week they could do that. They could do that in two weeks. At the semifinals, they sent two queens home. Yes. Yeah. So they did uh, it. Well, oh, you, you're talking about you're talking about Thailand. So. Thailand. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just saying yeah, that, yeah, like, yeah, because yeah. in season, I don't want to spoil it, even though we've spoiled that season so much. I just feel like now after Pangina and UK versus the world, I want to be a little more, you know, uh, understanding of spoilers, but. Uh, in Drag Race Thailand season two, yeah, they they had like two. They had they went from like eight to six or six to five or seven to five in one week very quickly. Uh-huh. And then at the end, they had a top five and whittled it down to a top three in one episode. So it's like, I don't know. I would we've seen that happen before, but I felt like I feel like with this cast, no, I could see who they do that to. You know what I mean? It'd be a heartbreak hotel, but they'll do that to. I think. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 to me, it's Georgia's uh, is next. Yeah. And then either Deja or Daya. Yeah, I feel like if there's a makeover challenge, I don't know. I think one of our Marys had said like they could see Deja going on that. And, and I kind of get it. I feel like Deja kind of came in the beginning of the season like I'm a seamstress and this is what I do. And I think as a seamstress, the, the looks have not always have been more pizza than gourmet. And um, I wonder if then the, the uh, makeover would finally kind of be the, the downfall, you know? Absolutely. Well, uh, one other thing, one other just tiny parallel was I feel like there is a ve- very similar shot in both Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and Bosco in this episode opening the chocolate bar and like the knowing smile. I feel like Charlie has a knowing smile when he sees the gold and then he like covers it up again, right? Yeah, when he's he's outside. Yeah, uh, he's outside alone, and uh, that a passerby sees him with the ticket. But yeah, he has that like. <gasps> yeah, it's, and yes, she has that moment too, and that's why Rue reacts with the eyebrow. Right, like, oh, you see it. Right, yeah. I love that, um, and I love that Andrew Day was like clapping and looking like that's a good thing, right? I just got here. I don't know. Is this good? Oh, and that gets us to the end of the episode. Pink News has been calling for it. Gay Times has covered it. My BSA of the week is obviously Leslie Jordan. Great. Um, that's wonderful. But I love Leslie Jordan. Roses to Leland because I think he he and Gabe really pulled out an amazing uh, rusical and he was a great co-star. And, you know, he had that gentle top moment that I think we just need to hear one more time. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I want to send a, a nomination to Willow. I think Willow is excellent in this musical. Agreed. She she did a lot. She had to be the the the, the tie breaking vote, and she you know uh, was the green fairy, the part that should have won. You know, historically, um, yeah, I I love Willow. I think Willow is. Just killing it uh, like Angeria is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, had a good time. But God, this season's just too long. But no, I'm kidding. I had a good time. All right, Mary. Well, we're going to leave it there. If you have any thoughts on Moulin Rouge, you can reach out to us on Instagram at allrightmarypod. Or you can email us at allrightmarypodcast at gmail.com. Or find us on the web at www.allrightmary.com or tasteofreality.com slash allright-mary. And if you want, I'm on Instagram at Johnny also. And you can find more of me on my other two podcasts in the details, a celebration of nuance or best supporting podcast, a celebration of best supporting actresses. 
And you can get more of me on Instagram at Colin Trucker underscore. And you can get more of both of us, including the All Right Mary After Show nuance. On, and, and so much more, obviously, so much more, including soon that we will have a free episode on the main feed, our coverage of Drag Race España season two. So if you want all that and more, go to patreon.com slash all right, Mary. All right, Mary, our last chance lip sync this week is well i think it's only appropriate in honor of finally getting that golden ticket that gold bar if you will our last chance lip sync is a song by an australian band called the bamboos and it's called of course golden ticket oh mary it's not chocolate it's not chocolate ben it's not chocolate please i'm so thirsty (laughs) i'm so Uh, hungry so hungry it's not chocolate it's not chocolate it's a chinese film yes (laughs) (laughs) oh man i'd squeeze that one in before we go (laughs) it's not chocolate it's a (laughs) seahorse it's not chocolate and corn it's a dragonfly (laughs) it's not chocolate i have this iris van herpet inspired galaxy dress (laughs) <laughs> it's not chocolate. It's actually Tasha Colby. All right, now let the music play. Oh, uh, Mary's. We'll see you next time. Talk to you. It's about you now. You're my.